Are you taking a reactive or proactive approach to your taxes? Do you wait until the year is over and hope for the best when tax time comes around? Is your business taking accurate tax deductions and receiving all the tax credits you deserve? Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Today, we will answer these questions and many more. So sharpen your pencil and take some notes. Now, here is your host, Marcelino Dodge. We wish you a very wonderful day and say welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge, show number 46. And we've just been really having a good ride and a good time at just accurately informing you and helping you to see, you know, sometimes it's good to get a little little extra help when you're doing your taxes. And in fact, even thinking about it, not just a tax time, but looking at it as a whole year of planning and activity, not just those three or three and a half months to go in and get it done there. And certainly it's very important. And we really appreciate the fact that we've had a worldwide audience here, not just the U.S., areas like Brazil and Europe. It's great. And you can listen to us, of course, on various platforms. And that, of course, is iHeart or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It's a number of places you can get us. Plus, as um, if you're watching this on Facebook Live, that's where we broadcast as well. And if you're on my Cash Tracks financial page there, we certainly invite you to please like the page as well as keep in mind this video as we record this will also be posted to our YouTube page uh, later on. And if you do go there, we certainly invite you to please subscribe to our page because we're continually putting on uh, new content, new tax information, which is always uh, great. And anything that comes up today, always invite you to give me a call here. It's 844-394-4287 because it is so important to just get to know everything uh, or at least see if we can help you. And that's why we give everybody a free mutual exploration session just to see if... uh, if what we can do can certainly help you to improve your business or your cash flow and also be able to help you to save on taxes, which is our ultimate goal with everything. And then, of course, our email success at, fin- at cashtracksfinancial.com. Today, we're going to talk about uh, taking some drastic action again, trying to help you as a small business person to save on taxes and increase your income. Uh, we're going to have our wonderful guest here, John Briggs, with us today who's going to help us with this a little bit more. He's, he runs Insight Tax and Accounting. He also is the author of A Profit First for Micro Gyms. He has been a gym owner, but currently also has an accounting firm. And he does a lot of gym clients. And that's kind of a specialty area, I would, I would guess, since he focuses on that. And it's going to be interesting to learn about that. And through this, he's learned about achieving a highly profitable business. That can be overwhelming. And a lot of business owners, that is overwhelming. And so he's learned that this can, there's barriers and unknowns that owners are forced to deal with. And we can become, as entrepreneurs, we can become stressed out. We can become burned out. (laughs) And we want to definitely get get aside from that and figure out how we can get cash flow, get to the lifeblood of the business, stay healthy and be more resilient. And so- I always like a man on a mission, and John is a man on a mission to help entrepreneurs uh, through his real work-life experience, help them not to get burned out, help them to increase cash flow, to have confidence in their choices, and really become financially resilient there. And I really like this. As a tax professional, I really like how John just goes away from the normal CPA culture out there where you're overworked, underpaid, you pay your dues and suffer while you're at it. That mentality just that don't really work anymore, and I really always like individuals who work away from that and really try to have a healthy work-life balance, even during busy tax time. And certainly, as professionals, we really need that. And what some don't understand is that sometimes ones can uh, get burned out, and certainly we don't want to do that. And it's nice that John takes care of his his team like that, which is what we try to do here at Cash Tracks Financials, take care of our team. I just want to say thanks and. Welcome to the program there, John. How is today going for you? It's going great. Thanks for having me, Marcelino. I'm excited to just, I love tax stuff. Um, I don't know if people can see, but we also have a sensation here about the IRS. My shirt says, Dear IRS, you suck. Warmest regards, everyone. (laughs) Uh, Because we, you know, you mentioned this about tax. I think it's awesome that you're providing a platform for people to um, figure out how to lower that because a lot of people don't realize that you can pay less tax just by understanding what the rules are that have been created. And for most of us, 
that tax burden is probably our largest expense over our lifetime. Um, and so it, we, it would do us well if we can figure out how to minimize it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely there, which is like, as you mentioned, part of the reason I do this and part of the reason why I invite ones to, uh, to join us for a free mutual exploration session. And so let's kind of jump right into this, John, and get, uh, get your insights on some of these uh, key areas here, such as what's the greatest challenge that business owners face concerning their finances here? So let's, what's, yeah. what's going on there? I think the, the biggest challenge that these um, business owners are facing is uh, trying to balance the sexy part of the business of like sales and like whether it's selling the product or selling the service with the necessity of managing their cash flow and, and actually looking at it. Uh, very few people go into business to be accountants, um, mm-hmm. yet it is an important function of business. And so how do they, how do they manage the side of the business they don't want to do, but we know is absolutely critical to their success. Um, and so that's the challenge that we often like to approach with uh, business owners and helping them understand that you can implement a pretty easy cash flow system that everything takes work to set up, but uh, once it's set up, it's pretty minimal uh, time commitment, but it gives you the information you need as a business owner to really run your business the way you need to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so how do you find that they, they need to get that set up? What have you found helps ones to get that set up? Because as you mentioned, they don't go into business to be accountants. They're good at whatever they do, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, having someone to help them stay accountable is probably the biggest factor that helps them become successful. Because uh, there's lots of books out there on cash flow. Um, and a lot of those books get purchased. But I guess statistically, last I heard, is um, about 60% of books that are purchased are never even opened. Because <laughs> uh, I think what happens is they have, the reason they bought the book was like, oh, I need this. And then all the other stuff of business gets in the way, the fires they have to put out, I got to get more sales, that type of mentality. And they never bring in maybe an accountability partner or a professional to help them just walk them through the system so that they don't have to reinvent the wheel. They just need to follow action items. And um, I, I think that can help them drastically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so does this, as we think about th- this and look at this, as far as what we're talking about too, is the fact that part of getting that flow is of course, understanding their accounting system. They got a lot of options out there to try to use accounting system, why various, various companies and so on, that are that can that claim i'm just gonna put out there they claim to really be there for the self-employed and be there to help them to set it up themselves but what's often have you seen the reality come up with that oh if we get a new client and uh, they tell us either they or their spouse has been doing the books since the business has started um there's lots of problems in the accountings because what happens is these softwares make it very user-friendly to the extent that it's easy to put information in, but they don't necessarily do a good job letting the user know that what they're doing isn't following actual accounting rules um, and could be inaccurate. And, and, and what happens, actually, if you are doing things inaccurately, you literally could be paying more in taxes because you have something uh, maybe on the balance sheet, which doesn't show up the same way from a tax deduction standpoint like it would if it were on the profit and loss statement which it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so a lot of times that the challenges that we're getting is uh, people are comfortable using it because it's software and nowadays a lot of people are comfortable with it, but not necessarily using it the right way because the software doesn't mm-hmm. give you an accounting background. It doesn't help you understand the rules. Mm-hmm. It just makes it super convenient for you to uh, input information. Yes. Yes, it really does. And see too often, at least I've encountered this is that when they use the do it yourself software and it isn't set up right, sometimes they, at least what I've seen sometimes that they actually make more money than what they think because they pull up their profit and loss statement in the software. And because they got the wrong stuff going in there, it turns out that they didn't think they made that much money, but in reality, they actually did better than they thought. And they're wondering, okay, why do I have to pay so much tax? Right. 
Exactly. Um, and we also see even on the flip side where their income could be higher than what it should be because maybe they got a loan mm-hmm. and they accidentally are putting in the system as if it's income. Mm-hmm. And then, and now they're really like, uh, how do I even pay for this? There's no way I made that much money. So we've seen it on both ends of the spectrum for mm-hmm. sure. Um, both ends of the spectrum result in uh, not good cash flow management and not a good tax outcome. So I, I'm with you. I'm a strong proponent of people uh, finding professionals to help them because let's be honest, not only are we talking about software, we're also talking about 76,000 pages of tax law. And um, if somebody's filing one tax return a year, doesn't really make them a very good expert compared to maybe a professional who's filing a few thousand tax returns a year. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent, whether it's tax or mm-hmm. any area of business, finding someone who can help you with whatever the need is. I, th- that's how I've always been successful and how I've grown my company is I've relied on others who know more than me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's, uh, and that's uh, often a big challenge in educating clients that way and even help them to try to come in and do something. It's because they, they, there is this whole do-it-yourself mentality out there or trying to do it. But yet, yes, help is always a great thing. And it can be and allow them to make more money. And that's one thing I've always communicated with them or try to communicate with them is saying, you know, if I do this, it's going to cost you just X amount. But how long will it take you to go out and make that in what you do instead of having to deal with this? So anyway. Yeah. We always say too, a good um, accounting professional or tax professional is an investment. Um, and we can save clients more in taxes than what they pay us in our fees. Sometimes that we free them, we literally are freeing up the three weekends it's going to take them to do their own taxes uh, so that they could use that time to do something else in their life, whether that's generate revenue or just enjoy uh, mm-hmm. their outside of work time. Um, or we can usually find credits or deductions that they just didn't realize are at their mm-hmm. disposal. Yes, definitely there. So as we move move a little bit here into more specifically in a tax, so what have you found is one of the most damaging myths surrounding taxes? Um, that the IRS is correct. <laughs> Look, we yes, <laughs> the. The IRS is the basically the police of the tax law, but the IRS does not create the tax law. The tax law is created mm-hmm. by Congress. Um, and then, in fact, so you have the Congress who creates it, and then you have the courts that defend it. Mm-hmm. The middleman in between that is the IRS. So just because you get a letter from the IRS that says mm-hmm. maybe you owe more money, Mm-hmm. or you did something wrong, it, they're not always correct. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of times pe- people don't realize that an IRS agent is usually trained on process and procedures of how the IRS wants them to work, but they don't necessarily get trained on actual tax laws. And so um, we come across auditors all the time that they're misinterpreting the tax code and it certainly does take conversations back and forth um, before we can finally get them on the same page because they definitely don't want to admit that they are wrong. But um, uh, you, just because you get an IRS letter, do not automatically cut a check for whatever dollar amount mm-hmm. they're saying you owe them. Review it. Like have someone help you look at what the letter's saying, look at what you mm-hmm. actually filed or whatever the, the letter is mm-hmm. referring to. Yes. Um, because I think a lot of taxpayers need to get that. And I, it can be terrifying because mm-hmm. there's this stigma of who the IRS is. Um, and they certainly have the ability to put you in jail. You can ask Wesley Snipes, that um, <laughs> famous actor who claimed yeah. he didn't owe taxes and actually spent time in prison over it. Um, mm-hmm. So they can't do that. So we don't, we don't want to mess with them in that sense. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they're always correct. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely true. Because you've encountered it. I've encountered it at times. Yeah, to get this notice in, client brings it in. Uh, and of course, whenever they get a notice from the IRS, they always assume that we made the mistake. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did something wrong. I got this. Well, we can. Not saying we're perfect, but we can. But vast majority of the time, it's something the IRS just got. They, all they do is they take matching 
they take the information that they get from income sources and then they always prepare something to their advantage. To their advantage, exactly. They interpret everything to their advantage. And and you're also talking about not everything is done electronically. They have employees mm-hmm. and shocker, sometimes those employees don't process things the correct way. Um, sometimes they enter numbers wrong. Sometimes they don't scan the tax return the correct way. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there there's a whole big gap of areas where there could be mistakes made on the IRS side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's why whenever, I mean, of course you, you do it with your clients and I do it with mine. I always say, you ever get a notice, you bring it in. You just don't pay the check because we got to see what, what, what's actually going on, do the research, compare that with our records. And yes, there are errors that are, that are found and we always explain it. And at least when you send it to them and try to explain it, you may have to go back and forth a few times, but sometimes you can get it fixed. And once you explain and show the documentation to them, which is why you stop home, you got to have the documentation to show that this is correct. Yeah. And, and we've we had it, to, we've had to open up like tax rules. Like we're trying to, we're quoting back to them, their code section. We're showing them the rev rulings, which is if people aren't mm-hmm. familiar, it's like you have the tax code and then the courts mm-hmm. sometimes rule on it and give you further clarification, which becomes law. Yes. And so we've had to show them like, this is what you're holding me to. And this is how you're saying it. But look in bold writing, like right here, like this says you're wrong. (laughs) They don't don't love that. But, and, but to your point, it does take usually multiple communications and uh, sending, when we send off a letter, especially now post the pandemic, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking months before that gets processed and we hear anything back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're just not—they're just not opening the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we heard the reports of how many truckloads of mail they had that was unopened uh, when they closed down during the pandemic. So, and they're yeah, still getting I, caught up. Millions of tax returns, even from 2020 and 2019, still waiting to be processed. I mean, even electronically filed ones. Yeah, just I mean, last the- I heard um, in July, they were like 8.5 million business returns backlogged. Backlogs. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. That is crazy there. So so then aside from the IRS and other things, let's come back to our business owners. So what have you found ways that business owners leave money on the table that is year after year? Yeah. So usually it starts with the mindset and I'll get into some specifics, but um, because most business owners aren't reading the tax code and maybe not either working with a professional at all or someone who might be like really, really inexpensive and inexperienced. Um, they're not always getting the best tax advice. And because of that, they approach things from a very conservative standpoint. Mm-hmm. I have found that there is a large percentage of accountants in the industry that really make you feel like they're government employees as opposed to uh, working for the client, mm-hmm. right? But they always come back with, no, you can't do that. And mainly because they don't want to have to have a conversation with the IRS if they needed to. Um, that's not healthy for the record. Like the, the mm-hmm. tax code is 76,000 pages, which means there's a lot of exceptions upon exceptions. And um, you want someone who's willing to take a stance that's going to save you money, but they know that they can defend if needed. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, usually this mindset shift helps people um, if you're thinking about your business and you're spending money and that dollar is somehow related to your business in any form, shape or fashion, there's a strong likelihood that that is a tax deduction. Mm -hmm. And that alone will helps business owners. They're like, Oh, now they start thinking about the money that they're spending and they're realizing, Oh, I I did do that for my business. Mm -hmm. And I did purchase this for my business. Um, things that they wouldn't have thought of ahead of time. Um, so that's, that's a general topic. Specifically, uh, mileage is a big one. Mm-hmm. It, business owners drive a lot. And if you're driving anywhere for business, it doesn't have to be just solely to meet a client. It could be driving to meet with someone you're networking with. It could be driving somewhere to research maybe a competitor or a different area. Maybe you want to move locations. You could be driving somewhere to purchase something that will eventually be a business write-off. I mean, there's 
so miles are often left off miles are often not claimed to the extent they could be mm-hmm. and and that's a free tax deduction if you think about it like you're already putting mm-hmm. gas in your car mm-hmm. and this is a non-cash tax deduction so you want to make sure you're capturing every possible mile um mm-hmm. another area where business owners leave money on the table is with their travel if you structure any trip that you take, even if you think it's initially personal, there are ways to do it so that it's actually a business trip. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be able to write off 100% of your travel or every trip you take is 100%, but there's possibilities that even if you're going on a personal trip, that part of that trip could be business and therefore some of the expenses could be written off. Um, so lots of people, I feel like, leave travel on the table. Um, and then, um, you know, there's cell phones. Some people don't mm-hmm. claim their cell phone the way they should. If you're mm-hmm. doing research at home, I think home internet uh, is another area that they could look at. Um, and then uh, here, here's a big one for business owners. And this is, uh, it's a great tax strategy. So if you're a business owner, this will save you three to $6,000 in taxes. Um, a lot of people call it the Augusta rule. We call it corporate rent, but we refer to it as the Augusta rule and in, in describing it. So to, a little bit of a background, if those aren't, if you're not familiar, the golf, the PGA tour every year has the master's tournament, which is a very, very big prestigious tournament. Mm-hmm. And it's held in Augusta, Georgia. Well, uh, so during a, that time period, the town size of Augusta triples and you have, uh, you know, multiple hundreds of thousands of extra people coming in for uh, this 14-week period, setting it up. People come, like spectators come to watch it, and then they turn it down, or they, they shut it down and clean it up. So during this time period, these wealthy homeowners who have very nice homes are like, mm-hmm. hey, let's make some money and rent out our houses. Mm-hmm. But I'm only renting my house out for a short amount of time. So like, maybe I don't want, like, I don't really want it to be a rental, but it's my house. And so there's this tax rule. It's uh, section 280A, in case anyone's wondering. Mm -hmm. uh, And G2 is the specific tax code that I'm referring to. But basically the rental rule is if I rent a property out for more than 14 days during the year, Mm -hmm. that the 15th day classifies it as a rental activity based on tax code. Mm -hmm. But what is overlooked is that anything less than 15 days, so 14 days or less, Mm -hmm. it's not classified as a rental property per tax law. So if I'm living in Augusta and I rent out this house, I say I rent it for 10 days, Mm -hmm. all the rental income that I get is not determined to be rental income per the law, which means I don't have to claim it anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and so this, that was a fun way for the people in Augusta to maybe get around taxes. Well, we just take these rules that uh, really wealthy people pay lobbyists to get uh, into mm-hmm. the tax system and we take advantage of it ourselves. So we have the small business owner who mm-hmm. should be having a monthly board meeting anyways, even if they're the only member of their board, mm-hmm. they should be having a monthly com- a company meetings. Why not have it at your house? So once a month, you're going to rent your house to yourself to hold a board meeting. That's a, mm-hmm. that's, that's a tax deduction for your business, a rent expense. And because you're doing it for less than 12, or you're doing it 12 times during the year, you mm-hmm. are not required to claim the rental income on that. And so uh, we recommend people when it comes to like, well, how much can I rent my house for? We do recommend you do some research and maybe find like a VRBO site and find mm-hmm. a house equivalent to your, your house in your area and see what a nightly rental cost is. Um, that would be the dollar amount that would be safe to use. We have found on average $1,250 has been, um, it's usually around 1250 bucks for the use because you're not only talking about the use of the property, you're also talking about full catering services, including utensils, which hotels charge extra for. Um, mm-hmm. So they set the precedent that I can write that off multimedia um, equipment, which can be rented, which hotels charge extra for. 
-hmm. And so you think about all the extra amenities that your house has that if you were to rent the same stuff at a hotel or a convention center, things like that, you would be paying extra for that. So again, 1250. So if you do the math, what we're doing is we're creating a $15,000 rent expense on your business that really went to your personal account and you don't have to pick up that $15,000 of rental income. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That is a big area that business owners leave money on the table. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a that's a very good thought there. hadn't hadn't quite considered that of that fourteen days rental. That's that's a very interesting application of that. So in a very good way to to use that there, so that uh, we don't leave that money on the table as business owners, but be able to use that little trick in there. But still, that's where still having a tax professional come in and help you to make sure you yeah. apply that correctly and. And if you're doing a board meeting, one of the things that they talk about is probably even have that in your board meeting minutes, these kind of things is Mm -hmm. to have the documentation there to support that, uh, to support all of that in the event of the audit there. So just, just don't go do it. We're not saying just go and do it. You know, you need something, an idea you maybe you can present to your tax professional, but yet, or, or basically call John or myself, we can certainly help you work that out as well to make sure you do it right. But yeah, but not leave that money on the table. Yeah. Definitely there. So that's good. So, okay. So as we continue through here, any other way they're leaving money on the table? Another thought? Or is that? Um, the- I think I hit all the ones that normally come up. Okay. Okay. Great. Oh, I wanted to ask you about the mileage here because I, I have an issue with this and see what suggestions you have as far as helping people to keep a mileage log. Mm-hmm. That's usually always the, that's usually the biggest issue with mileage is helping them to keep a mileage log. Yeah. So, um, this isn't the news they want to hear. Uh, Regardless of how you claim your vehicle as a tax deduction, you have to have a mileage log if it's going to survive an audit. So Mm -hmm. the way I say that, some people may, especially for business owners, um, there's two ways the IRS lets you take your vehicle expense. I could write off my actual expenses, gas, Mm -hmm. repairs, oil changes, interest expense if I'm purchasing Mm -hmm. a car, I can claim all those, or they try to simplify it and say, well, you can just take the standard rate for this year, whatever it is, maybe it's 50 half, 58 and a half cents per mile, um, and you multiply that by your miles. Mm-hmm. Well, they also say, well, if you're going to claim actual expenses, we have to know what your business use percentage of the vehicle is. Because as you already said earlier, Marcelino, they're always going to do things in their favor. So they assume you're driving your car for personal reasons to some extent, and they want proof. And so the only way to prove business use is with mileage, right? Mm -hmm. Because then it's like, yeah, I drove 15,000 business miles and I drove 2000 personal miles. So I have to, I I can claim 97% or whatever the math works out to be. Um, We have had some of our clients, they've liked an app called mile IQ. Mm -hmm. Um, The last I looked at it, it, there is a cost to that. And I, I would be willing to bet there's plenty of mile apps that exist out there. But what they liked about it was it picks up when you're in your car and when you're driving, mm-hmm. and then it kind of just yeah. says, okay, this last trip was five miles, swipe right if it was for business or swipe left if it was for personal. And then you go into their system and print off uh, a report at the end of the year. That's a way that um, some people have found it to be convenient. I personally am a, a little old school when it comes to my mileage <laughs> log. I have a piece of paper in mm-hmm. my car and it, in January every year, I print it off and it has the date and a dash, like a line next to it. Mm-hmm. So it's a paper that has all 365 days in the year. And when I get in the car the next morning and I'm buckling my seatbelt, I look at my odometer then it tells me how many miles I drove the previous day. I write that down on uh, on my line and then I reset my odometer. So then every morning when I get into my car, I see how many business miles I drove the day before. Now I, um, I married and so my wife does all the personal driving stuff, going to grocery mm-hmm. stores and everything. I literally use my car to drive to work or it goes to business appointments and come home. Um, we use her car because it's bigger to you know taxi mm-hmm. our children around. Um, so if you do put personal miles on your car, maybe you would just have two dashes and you would still, my method would, could work. Um, and mm-hmm. I tell people, it's kind of like brushing your teeth. There's nothing natural about the habit of brushing your teeth, yet most of us do it. 
this is just one of those habits that can become natural. It might take a few months before you like every day, you're like, oh yeah, I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's an easy habit. It only adds 10 seconds a day to my you know, time. Buckle my seatbelt, look, write it down, reset. Like it, I'm good to go. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Now that's, that's great to know whatever method, but we got to find, we got to help them find some method. You got to find some method to track your mileage there. You that have way. to. Yeah. <laughs> You, you just got to do it because uh, as well as even having, uh, I've been, a lot of classes I've attended have suggested even having third-party verification like of the mileage, like if you have your oil changed or whatever, make sure you got that documentation as well because that they usually record the mileage. To kind yeah, of and I'll actually, we'll tell clients, especially when they come in and they haven't been working with us or they didn't take our advice, like what's your mileage? Oh, I don't know. We'll have them at a minimum go back and pull up their oil um, receipts from their mechanic when they got an oil change mm -hmm. and we can at least yeah. find out the total miles between the period and then take a percentage of it. Yeah. And then, uh, then make sure that the client or you as the client, don't look up at the ceiling for the answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I, I've looked at my ceiling. There's nothing up there to look at. So yeah. If, if there were numbers on my ceiling, my wife would definitely have it painted over anyway. So, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so then as we go a little bit, a little bit more here, it's when it comes to business again, at what stage is important to have a cash flow management system? What's your thought there? Yeah. My thought is from day one, uh, if, if you've, if you're just starting off right now is the best time to have a cash flow management system. If you've been in business for 10 years, right now is the best time to have a cash flow management system. It always works no matter what stage of the business you're in um, because a proper system is going to adjust with you based on the size of your business. Um, but it's, I mean, I talked about in the beginning, this is one of the areas that I know business owners don't love to do, but it is super critical. I, we work a lot with gyms, so I do have fitness references every once in a while. And I tell people, look, you, let's say you see an attractive person walking down the street um, and you assume, you know, that person probably exercises. Well, guess what? That attractive person does not look good when they're actually working out. People <laughs> make weird faces. They make weird body sounds. <laughs> There's nothing attractive about it. Yet, obviously, mm -hmm. the result is super sexy. It's the same with cash flow management. It not necessarily the sexiest part of business, but mm -hmm. the result of doing it is very sexy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes, definitely. The, the end result is always what look, looks good. And certainly yeah. the, the, what happens in between there may not always look good, but, uh, and probably doesn't always look good, but getting to the end of that is what's really going to do it. So get it started right away, which uh, once again, coming in and having someone like John or myself work with you to help you to develop that would be vitally important there. So then as we come in, what are some tips for business owners who perhaps feel overwhelmed by their financial situation, would you say? Um, it, it goes back to me of, uh, scheduling things. Usually, it, it, obviously I'm never, I, I don't know how other people always feel when they're overwhelmed. So this is coming from a place of how I feel when I'm overwhelmed. Usually it's because there are so many things I feel like I need to do. And I know that I can't get them all done today. So I really just want to go take a 15 minute nap, you know, <laughs> like there's so much to do. Oh my gosh, I should sleep. Um, so for me, scheduling, especially this cash flow management task, mm -hmm. um, can help a lot with overwhelm because also the overwhelm can occur for us as business owners when bills are coming due or maybe we're, our revenues aren't as strong as we want them to be or we're not quite on track to hit our goals. Um, and so overwhelm also happens in those scenarios when money is related. So we recommend people a business owner specifically take either a time once a week or twice a month mm -hmm. to sit down and look at their money. Cause if you break it up in these smaller chunks throughout the year, you can get it where you're spending 10 minutes or less every week on mm -hmm. looking at your cash flow and managing your system. And then the rest of the time you can focus on the stuff that your business needs you to, the stuff that you're really excited about. Mm -hmm. We have found by having a system like this, it really does help the business owner control a big portion of overwhelm because whether some, some know it's the case and others don't realize it, 
But managing finances and, and thinking about the finances is a big stress factor, can mm-hmm. be a big stress factor for most business owners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do us as the tax professionals and, and those helping the services, how do we come in and, and help them with this? What's, what's our role in this yeah. for them? So our role is to help them, like, give, let's give them the roadmap. Um, mm-hmm. So to say, hey, sit down and take 10 minutes every Friday to look at your finances, they'll be like, yeah, I can take 10 minutes. And they're going to, the first time they'll sit down and they're going to be like, what the heck am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, okay, 10 minutes, what do I do? Um, so we should be giving them then the roadmap. Um, for us, we use a system called Profit First. Um, mm-hmm. It's a cash flow management system. And why I wrote the derivative book, Profit First for Micro Gyms. I took mm-hmm. the original concept and applied it to gym owners. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the roadmap we help our clients use. The, su- the simple summary of the system is the envelope system that mm-hmm. you know most of us have heard about. Mm-hmm. When a dollar comes into our business, that whole dollar is not ours. We have commitments, mm-hmm. whether that's to say our landlord or to our team members, um, commitments maybe to our family that we're going to provide for uh, our living expenses. And so all we're saying, just like with the envelope system, if this dollar comes in, I'm going to kind of uh, categorize those specific dollars into separate buckets. Mm -hmm. So instead of using physical envelopes, we recommend using separate bank accounts. So maybe I haven't, I mean, the system talks about specific envelopes that we recommend or smaller plates or Mm -hmm. bank accounts, whatever word you want to use. Um, Owners pay, owners have got to make sure they get themselves paid. A profit Mm -hmm. account, they should be giving themselves a profit distribution regularly. Um, Your business is going to generate taxable income. You should be setting aside money for taxes. Mm -hmm. So, and then of course you have operating expenses. And you think about those obligations, if a dollar comes in, I can kind of segregate that money into different categories. So now when I look at my operating expense account, I could start making business decisions based on the dollar amount that's in that account, mm-hmm. not in the other commitments that um, I've made that will need to get paid down the road, but they just aren't due right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's our job to help our clients kind of understand a roadmap that works for them so that when they take the time in those 10 minutes, they have clarity on what they actually should be doing in the 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Help them to get that clarity because that's, that's vitally important. It's part of the whole, whole picture, of course, in getting that clarity, that cash flow, setting aside for the taxes, as you mentioned. Then as we, as professionals, work to help you as a taxpayer to be prepared for the taxes there. Uh, so then as uh, we review that and we talked about feeling overwhelmed with their situation but then helping them to do that by just sitting down for the few minutes, giving them the roadmap, then use a taxpayer, then following that roadmap, because the, often the time, the challenge is just getting that, that 10 minutes. It can Stop. be. Um, I, I, we, yeah, it can be. Cause again, this is one of those things I don't want to do. Uh, <laughs> it, so for me, I live by my schedule. And so if mm-hmm. I scheduled it, I, I, I'm going to get it done, even if I don't necessarily want to get it done. Like it, it's a checklist. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's dopamine that can be released if I check some, some things off a list. Um, mm-hmm. I know not everybody lives by checklists or schedules. And so for those um, people who are in that boat, uh, whatever you've done in the past to create the habit of doing things you don't necessarily want to do, try that approach first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I take a look at it. Of, okay. That the, I don't want to do this, but so let me do it first. So I have it done <laughs> and then move on to the next thing. That's usually where I start. It's just like when it's just like the way I growing up when I used, used to eat, I says, well, this is what I don't like. So I'm going to eat that first so that that's covered up by the good stuff later on. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of what I live by. I, let's, let's, let's get the bad, let's get the, un, the unpleasant thing done first. That way we finish off pleasantly. <laughs> And have a good, that way we're not going, oh my goodness, at the end of the day going, oh, let's get the pleasant things done first. So Yeah, that's a good strategy. I think I've heard, uh, they call it like eat the frog. Is that what the concept is? Hmm. Brian Tracy, I think, wrote a book called Eat the Frog, where he talked about doing your least desirable tasks, very Hmm. first thing, 
because no one wants to eat a frog. Um, I don't oh, yeah. know where the reference comes from. I don't. I still don't want to eat a frog ever. Well, <laughs> for myself, it's Brussels sprouts. So okay, <laughs> eat the Brussels sprouts. I'll, I'll eat the Brussels sprouts first and then move on. Uh, <laughs> so, so then how we've got them looking at the numbers. We've got them finally where they're kind of sitting down. And you as a business owner are looking at that, seeing where your cash flow is. So then how are they or the business owner to interpret these numbers as we take yeah, a look so, at this? Yeah, um, so there's a couple of different ways to approach it. One, the cash flow management system is we're just looking at cash balances. Mm -hmm. And um, really what the, the interpretation comes in when the, we look at the bills that are due and the cash that's sitting in our operating expense envelope. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, if there's a discrepancy, like maybe we owe more <laughs> in bills than what we have available, um, we need to interpret that as the business is telling you, you can't afford all your expenses, mm -hmm. which is a message that most of us need to hear. Usually when we sit down with clients, we find that they're 80 to 85% of their revenue is spent on operating expenses when healthier businesses are probably in the 50 to 60% range or lower. Mm -hmm. um, but because they haven't put systems in place before, like they don't necessarily think about the fact that they're overspending on expenses. So that's one interpretation that can come up. Um, and, and then we can look at like, we're just interpreting the cash balance. Oh, there's X amount in my tax account. I, that feels pretty good. I think that should cover my tax burden at this point, mm -hmm. or there's an X dollar amount in my owner's pay account that is enough for me to live off of, or maybe not live off of. Mm -hmm. Either way, whatever the whatever it is, the interpretation is, well, what, what do I do to fix it? Or what do I do to um, improve it? You know. Mm -hmm. And then um, the other thing, from a, when it comes to interpretation is probably at a minimum at getting an accountant to help you understand how to um, interpret your profit and loss statement and balance sheets. Mm -hmm. um, and now some, maybe a few meetings with an accountant can, they can help you see how they're looking at things and you can take it from there. But usually I found um, even if it's just a, let me help you get started and you mm -hmm. run with it. It's a necessary meeting uh, because they just don't even know enough where to start. When Because mm -hmm. with a profit and loss statement, like you can look at it one way. I can look at it for the year. I can look at it for the month. I can also compare that month to last month. I can look at the year, but I can break it up into monthly columns. I mean, there's so many different ways you can run reports mm -hmm. on the information. So many ways that I could see how it could be overwhelming for a business owner to be like, I don't even know where to start. So getting some advice on understanding where to start and who knows, maybe you'll realize that having a professional involved always is going to help you um, interpret the numbers as you as your business continues to change, right? Because we're all in this hoping to grow. Um, and the way I interpret, interpret my financials now as a startup might be different how I interpret mm -hmm. it once I'm a mature business. Mm -hmm. Yes. And with those financials, that's, and as you mentioned, from the start, that's why it's so important at from my standpoint, and I believe even for you would be, we need to make sure those financials are correct from the beginning. Yeah. Because um, uh, things that need to be on the balance sheet end up on the uh, profit and loss and vice versa. And so uh, that's, that's, that's practically, at least for me, a new client coming in. That's step one we got to do in the first place is get is get everything into the right place so we so we actually can figure out what the numbers are yeah totally we i i saying is kind of junk in junk out um and, and again another nutrition reference health reference i could <laughs> mm -hmm. eat 100 calories of oreos or 100 calories of grapes um and i'm going to be a lot healthier by putting mm -hmm. the grapes in my body versus the oreos i mean to your mm -hmm. point, uh, we had a client one time came to us new and we're looking at his financials and we saw his payroll expense was getting booked as a negative liability on his balance sheet. What that means is, <laughs> okay. what that means is while the tax code allows him to write off his payroll expense, it's not showing up in a way on his tax return mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. to reflect that it's an actual tax deduction. Mm-hmm. So he, for the last, like the three years prior to him working with us, had not claimed his payroll expenses. And so he oh overpaid in taxes because the deduction is not showing up in the right spot for the tax professional. And a lot of tax professionals don't take the time to analyze the, the stuff that they've mm-hmm. been given. Um, and that's just simply because, like we talked about in the beginning, some of these softwares made it easy for him to enter the information, but he didn't enter it in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we've, we've seen scenarios like that. Uh, luckily, we were able to amend things. But um, if he never found us, I mean, he could have gone on for mm-hmm. years and years and years overpaying in taxes simply because his financials were not correct in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that leads to an area where uh, it's come up in some education that I've done there is that there's, a, there's tax preparers, at least, and there's tax professionals, hmm. where at least for me, a tax preparer is someone who basically does what you just described. They just take the information and they just put it into the tax return. Yeah. Whereas a tax professional will come in and look at that, which is every time I, every time I get a, a profit and loss for, for a company that comes in and that, that's all I do is their tax return and maybe a little of this out the little of this and that through the first thing I look at is that and I go, okay, I can't, this is my problem with this. Can you go and fix this? Or can you get this number correct? Because I can't file your tax return with the way these numbers are organized here because it's going to show either you have too much income, which I've, I, that, I've had that on numerous occasions. Because I know you got this, well, I'll just say PPP loans. Right, not tax income. In, <laughs> we're put in on as income. And then payments uh, on their building, on their commercial building, were put in as expenses. <laughs> And I go and I explain to them, well, this, your, your expense is overinflated because this $1,000 a month payment you have on this building is not really an expense. And then you kind of go through the whole explanation to them as to why it's not an expense. But anyway, which is what I explained very clearly to ones, and I'm sure you do that as well, why <laughs> their building payment is not an expense. But anyway, we go in and I look at that very closely and I just kind of note, note, note all the way across that I... Actually, I copy it first, and I, then I note on the copy and say, "Okay, you need to. We need this, this, and this, and this all, all fixed here." And then I send it back with them, and then because uh, they like doing their own books and stuff, which is fine. But I can't do a tax return until these items are fixed. It's just right. I can't. Right. And so uh, that's where the professional is going to come in and question those things, mm-hmm. and hopefully, ones will come in if they come to you new, they'll let you start working with them to fix those things on the books and help them. If they have something new come in, you'll be able to put the items in the correct place and just say, okay, let's do, when you put this payment in this, how you put it in. Yeah. And so, yeah, we call that the plug and chug mentality. It's not Mm -hmm. a super great tax strategy. Um, And as you're saying that, I realize that maybe your audience has heard this from you in the past, but I really look at tax per there's like a, there's three categories in my mind. Oh. You, have, you have the DIYers, right? So they're buying mm-hmm. the software. Mm-hmm. And uh, gosh, I hope the software programmers programmed all the right questions in to ask you the right questions to make sure you're not missing anything. Usually they haven't, but they make it really convenient for you to file something. Mm-hmm. Um, the next group up is you're paying a human being to use a tax software. So there are companies out there that have people dancing on the side of the street in costumes, come, we'll prepare your mm-hmm. taxes. Um, and really those people in those types of companies, they've only received software training. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have tax professional experience. And then you have what I would, what you refer to as the tax professionals. Um, and I just hope people are choosing wisely when it comes to this, because as I mentioned, this is the largest lifetime expense that most of us will have. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's worth, uh, trying to save a hundred bucks when my, the outcome of using a professional who's going to be more mm-hmm. expensive than the software versions or some of these software trained people, um, the return on investment for using a tax professional will pay dividends in your mm-hmm. lifetime and, and just better tax savings. Mm-hmm. Especially one that's uh, like yourself or myself who wants to not just be there from January through April 15th or May 15th, we could say this last year, just be here through that seasonal, but be there in the long run, be there 
throughout the year. Be there in the middle of the year so that we can do a review, so we can help you and say, hey, this is an adjustment you can make for next year. And this year like was unlike any other year in a sense because they got those advanced child tax credit payments. I don't know how many questions you got about that, but I've gotten countless questions about yeah. those. And Exactly, because shocker, right? The government kind of rolled it out very haphazardly. And I have clients who are making crazy amounts of money who are getting payments. And it's like, oh, you're going you're gonna to have to pay it back. I don't have any idea why they're sending you this money. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you, anyways. Um, I don't know if this analogy works quite yet, um, but it's kind of like the difference of reading a journal versus writing a journal. Mm-hmm. Like if you are just using a tax professional to file your taxes during tax time, it's like looking back at history and mm-hmm. saying, oh, that's nice. That's what happened. Versus sitting down and writing out, this is what I want my future to look like. A tax mm-hmm. professional can help you with that because we know mm-hmm. that people's lives actually continue on throughout the year and not yes. they don't just happen during tax season. Yes. So mm-hmm. what's happening outside of tax season for these business owners? Most of that stuff, I mean, when money exchanges hands, Uncle Sam's got a tax rule <laughs> to try to get his grubby little fingers on it. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want a professional involved all the steps of the way so you can ask them questions throughout the year. Like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this or I'm about to do this. Mm-hmm. Is there anything I should know from a tax standpoint? Usually there is. Yes, there is a lot. And certainly so much more than we can consider. We've uh, just considered a, I always say whenever I have these conversations, we've kind of just scratched the surface of it yeah. there, which is why it's so important and which is why I do this program, which is why I invite ones to to, to visit my past programs or of course to contact you, John, there at Insight Tax for questions. Of course, I'm always available for various questions here. It's success at cashtracksfinancial.com. You give me a call. It's 844-394-4287. We can have a free mutual exploration session just to learn a little bit about you and your business and to help you uh, implement some strategies, get the cash flow system going so you can do more. And what's great is that people all over the country need to be helped, <laughs> which is what what we like to reach out and do is to help help you all if you're out there. So certainly uh, come visit us again here on the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge on the Voice America Business Channel. Thank you for listening to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. We'll be back again next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share next week.